1: Hello everybody, good to have you along. It's the game on Sunday. Mikey Lester here with you. And of course, we're reviewing everything that's been happening so far in football and hurling in terms of the Alliance Leagues, naturally. And as usual, I'm joined by Tomas Mackay and Martin Carney for their thoughts and everything. Gentlemen, how is the form?
0: Good. Good, how the
1: bother of us. good stuff, good stuff. Um, Martin, let's look back at, at the weekend's uh, football. Um, just to, for a start off, we were talking like a couple of weeks ago about Mayo from the point of view that they had a difficult enough start. They had to go down to Salton to play Galway in their opening game. Then at the weekend, they had the dubs, of course, you know, come through both those matches with wins and obviously off to a flying start,
2: which is which must be very encouraging. Well, it's very encouraging to me of supporters. It's very encouraging for the team and in particular it's very encouraging for Kevin McStay because, and you know, he's he's looking to build on the league success from last year and he couldn't have got a better start than what has been the case. The other night, Michael, it has to be said, they played second stable to Dublin for long periods of, uh, of the game, I thought. Early in particular in the first 20 minutes uh, they found it very difficult to break Dublin down and Dublin particularly to their wing-backs, Jack McCaffrey, and they have a young McInerney lad, I think, on the other wing. I hadn't seen him before, Brett McInerney. I th- was very impressed with them. But Mayo weathered that storm, and I think within a minute of of, of each other, they got points from uh, Paul Towie and Bob Toohy, and that seemed to kick-start their, their half, and even though they had been playing, um, you know, with the win, they still kind of went in eight points all at that time. It didn't look likely, as I said, after 20 minutes when they were 6-2 or something like that down. But in the second half then, I thought, you know, Dublin came out at a great opening 15 minutes or so. Mayo didn't score in that period. And it was really uh, the goal that Stephen Cohn got, I think, that actually kind of changed everything. You had attendance, actually, Michael. I'd say of around seventeen thousand in Bar. Now, for the second, for the first week of February, to have that many at a national league game is quite is is quite an achievement in itself. But once he got that goal, and um, all of a sudden the entire ground came alive, and from there to the end, I think the goal rattled Dublin a little bit. They shot a couple of very bad wides. But from there to the end, uh, you know, it could have gone either way. But what I loved about the male winner, Michael, was the nature of the score. Like, we're living in, a, in, in an era of football where everything is about regulation and order. And games are noted for kind of systems and all that kind of thing. Well, the goal, uh, the winning point that, uh, that Fergal Boland got was as a consequence of a bit of quick thinking, improvisation and risk month. Risk mm-hmm. in something in Gaelic football that has gone out the window. He was looking up, he was talking to Killian O'Connor, so who would take the the, the kick. Uh, Dublin got a little bit kind of sucked into that and all of a sudden, um, O'Donoghue saw, bowling loose, hit the ball to him, ping, over the bar, kick out, full-time whistle. It was, a re- it was a reward for just trying something different, trying something off script. And I think it gave them a deserved win on the night, even though it has to be set and balanced. They probably played second fiddle to Dublin for a long period of the game.
1: It was like, Martin, I suppose, the, the famous Mikey Sheehy goal against Dublin and Paddy Collin back in the day. Quick thinking, nothing like it.
3: Oh, well, it's good to see, Michael. Bubba Mayo. they're quick thinking in early February. That's good for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, you want to... Tomorrow, so, like,
2: what you have got to look at, what you have got to look at you have to look at Dublin though in, in 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 all of this. Dublin like when you see the results that me and Kildare have had their so-called big rivals in, in in Leinster, when you see the early seasonal results they have had that have come to nothing, like Dublin don't have to be right until the month of June and July. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I thought for the first 20 minutes the other night, Thomas and Michael, when they if, when it, if, you know, over the first 20 minutes of the game or so, they came out and, and I thought, uh, uh, you know, they had levels of fitness that weren't at Mayo's um, uh, 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 range, so to sleep. But in that opening 20 minutes, they got a glimpse of what it can be like when they get into the old track later on. Because they'll sleepwalk through Leinster. There's no doubt mm. about it. They'll, sleepwalk through Leinster. they'll become number one seed for the All-Ireland series. And they have only two months of football we really need to prepare for. So they're quite, even though they haven't picked up any points at the moment, they're quite happy in where they are right now. And when we did see them good over those two um, periods in the first and second half, they were highly impressive. Is it time, Martin, um, for an open draw in
1: the championship? Because this has been mentioned so many times over the last couple of years, like Leinster has really of of the four provinces, Leinster has really, in football terms, gone backwards. Like as you said, I mean, okay, Dublin are good. There's no nobody is denying that, but everybody else has just kind of fallen off the cliff.
2: Yeah, with that true, Michael. I think it's an I think it's a fair point. I mean, if you, like there's there's only one team in Leinster at the moment. With respect to us, there's only one team in 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 Manchester, and that's Terry. Whereas you have a highly competitive,
3: um, uh, high well, that's so, what well, yeah, so they're talking about there, Martin. Is it all right? Sorry, yeah, all right, that's so <laughs> All right, okay. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment,
2: like I mean, when you see the beat you know, in fairness to Cork, I don't know how the scheduling happened. Like, but they had two uh, away games. One to kind of um, uh, what uh, Donegal in the opening game and the last day against Louth and lost both. But on the former senior season front, them. They're not going to um. They're not going to get into the um Munster final. L- L- and as a consequence, they could end up in the Talton Cup this year unless their elite form finishes quickly. But getting back to Michael's point, I think it is time to look at it. But Michael, we're not going to get that change in the short term. Remember, no. I played in the championship war my entire career where it was a one-shot. You one-shot only. If you lost the first round, it was good night and a down. You were gone for the summer. In 2001, they brought in, I think it was, the open draw. They, or the back door, so to speak. It's, sorry about the open draw. It was the back door. And that continued on to us in 2022. About twenty twenty-one years, that um, kind of continued. But they still are kind of pussyfooting around the big thing which I believe myself should be an open draw for Championship among the top 16 teams. We haven't got that, and as a consequence of that, and, you know, there is teams just being able to, as I used the word earlier in the conversation, sleepwalk into All-Ireland series as it is at the moment, in particular the top teams in Munster and Leinster. Martin,
3: uh, Michael, could I I just add Martin there for his his thoughts in terms of this, um, you mentioned Cork, and because of the two losses in the league and the danger of maybe not being uh, qualified for Sam McGuire, where, where did all this come out of? Well, all of this came out of in, with the new with the
2: new system that they have for the All-Ireland Championship and the Tottenham Cup.
3: That's where it all came out of. Like, basically, what you have now... Yeah, but, have... but my, my point is now, right, you have to be at the top of your game at the time of the year... When a team like Dublin, you mentioned, doesn't have to be ready until June or July, right? And for other counties, they have to be at the top of the game to qualify or to to win league matches or get results, or else they're penalised heavily. But there, I, I, I said we can look at it that way.
2: But the way the structure is, like, is the provincial finalists are the number one seeds, but the provincial winners. The runners up are the number two seats. But after that, uh, Tomas, you're correct. You need to be doing well in, in your league. And, yeah. like, uh, like, for example, mead found to the cost a couple of years ago that they, they ended yep. up in the yep. Boston Cup despite their history, despite the traditions, so that despite their successes. And, uh, you, you know, how it, and they, the so to speak, and the reputation that they have in Gaelic football. And like this year in Munster, you're going to have one of three teams clear to or Waterford in a monster final, and therefore a runner-up. So they're going to be a number two seed. You're going to have. Um, is it um, uh, Meath will be in the in the uh, Sam Maguire this year, but you could end up with the bottom two teams in Division Two ending up actually in the Talton Cup, and basically that means, as you said, Tomas. That it's it, it's a case of have and have nots. That for the have nots, if they want to play Sam McGuire, they have to be ready from the word go, get sufficient points to ensure, in particular, in Division Two, that they yeah. get up off the table to end up in the top twelve, in the in the top four or five there, to avoid the ignominy. And I don't like using the word ignominy; it's unfair, really, to use it. But to to avoid having to play in the
1: talking pot. Talk. But this is my this is my point, gentlemen. That the the more the GEA tweak all of these things and and add all these complications, um, the the more bizarre the thing is coming with every passing year, as far as
2: I can see, anyway. Yeah, and that's and that's true, Michael. But let's be honest about it. We talked last week about you, you, you know you, you look at Munster, the major stadium that they have there in Torres, in Killarney and in Cork. You can't fill those stadia too often. You can't simply get crowds there to kind of make those event financially viable, to, to, to run more or less on their own steam. And this new system that, I, that, that we have, where you have a kind of a, a separate competition in the months of June, late May, June and July, is basically, it's, it's it has been in some way motivated on economic grounds. So as maybe more and more games would be played in these places, and therefore make the game, uh, make the shall we say the finances of these more uh, viable and uh, more economical.
1: Oh, I know it's it's as I said, so much to talk about from from that point of view. But um, lookers, let's let's talk early for a moment, Tomas, and uh, and what we've seen so far. A um, couple of interesting games. Um, last time out. I noticed a lot of people to most are talking about Clare. they beating Cork the last day. Um, are talking about Clare and
3: kind of getting excited about their prospects going forward. Yeah, I think uh, I suppose uh, like the beating really. Uh, look, they've always been very hard to beat in this Michael. Um, mm. um, they did it last last weekend against Cork uh, on a, on a scoreline of one twenty five to two nineteen, right? And like. There were times in the game when they looked very, very accomplished. Um, and there were there were without three or four of the big names in terms of like John Cannon and Tony Kelly uh, and these guys, right? You know, so like we mentioned last week, the same as Martin, the league is is being used to blood new players, give new guys the opportunity. Um, but I think Brian Long will, will be very, very happy with the result. Um. I was expecting a lot more from Cork, to be honest with you. I, I would I would be disappointed with Cork, even though they scored two nineteen. And I know Pat blood trying. To, uh, Pat Ryan's trying to blood a few, a few new players as well. But I was looking at the opening National Hurling League matches as as Cork to go tennis and make a statement for maybe for the rest of the campaign. Sometimes in the game we look very good, got two very good goals. But mm. the period after halftime worries me from Cork perspective. When you expect the team to come out and push on, um. You know, there was, they were level at, at halftime and um, just to push on. But I think they conceded seven points. And uh, I read somewhere yesterday where the kind of because of turnovers and working the ball short, they could see 150 throughout the match. And look, that hasn't happened on Sunday last, that, that was the first occasion that that has happened. This happened for Cork for the last two to three years where. It's, it's it's not about their their game plan. It's about the opposition knowing what Cork are going to do with the ball. They're going to work it short. They're going to put it to corner back. He might turn give it to the full-back. They might work it through the lines to the centre-back. And all the same in football the same in soccer or the same in rugby. When you hear this press, when mm-hmm. Claire pushed yeah. up, they turned over the ball so many, many times. And Cork have got to change. Yeah, you can do it on the odd occasion, but simply the opposition now know exactly the game plan that Cork are going to put into play. And that is a concern. That's a worry because it's been like that for the last two to three years. And but they're, they're, but I you pick up a point on that, I,
2: I, I watched the game. I, I enjoyed the game. I remember commenting to myself uh, in the first half, uh, most, how Cork had only scored maybe five or six times. Like two of those uh, were goals, obviously. Yes, and the, yes. And it didn't, it didn't give them balance. But speaking on the issue of goals, I thought that the clear goal that um, I think it was Sharon Mori. Sharon Mori got. Yes, and that uh, yeah. absolute beauty. Now, the okay. the yeah David Fitzgerald then gave the pass, but it yeah. was the weight of the pass, it was the accuracy, and it was the timing of the run for Mori and the con- instant control of the ball that I thought was just a. a col- it, it was it was there for everybody to to watch and to kind of go at like it was a collector's item that. And it's something that should be shown again and again in coaching in, in coaching seminars. That this Absolutely is like striking like a ball. It's like, this is, you know, rather than the handing off the ball, the pan passing that you get it, so much of now, or the throw nearly that you get in hurling. It was a delightful little cameo in the game. And it's something that if you wanted to show it to children
3: that what hurling is about, this was a great example of it. Yeah, and I think, Michael, your, your point is, right, people are getting excited about Claire. People think Clare are now the biggest threat to maybe Limerick uh, come championship time and um, I think Brian Lone has done a wonderful job there. He's given uh, youngsters their opportunity, but he's given all the guys kind of uh, the belief that it'll be there maybe over, over a couple of years to to perform again and um, they look at very, very strong United units playing for each other uh, playing a nice brand of hurling. Uh, we remember at times we would have been critical of Claire in terms of the sharp game Tony Kelly going back into his own full back line picking up possession yeah, you're not seeing that anymore it hasn't become the Tony Kelly team there's other stars standing up and Davis Fisher and Shane in and these guys you know and um I think there was a WhatsApp message going around the other day. Uh, Joe Biden had um, a bit of delight about Shane Mori then wink forward, and he said he should be there for the rest of the championship and stuff like that as well. So, um, no, there, there, there is something, there is something in Clare that you have to, you have to admire. There's a steal, there's a resolve about them. They're physically a big team, and they're backing it up with their hurling because uh, 125 is a great scoring. It certainly is.
2: Yeah, but equally, the 219 was a good response from Cork, even though most, a lot of those scores were got late in the game. And again, like with Cork, I know they're were, they were missing a good um, number of players to most. And like, I enjoy watching them. But like traditionally, again, and going back to this old traditional thing, if you want, you kind of we're looking for a response from Cork. Those who is from a distance are looking for a response from Cork as the team that will actually kind of throw down the gauntlet to Limerick and make life misery for Limerick to prevent them getting their five in a row. But on the evidence of what we saw last Sunday, again, maybe they're a little bit off that. Still on well, the they're, they're going to do Quite <laughs> <laughs> to
1: memory, Martin. <laughs> to us, having, having said that, tomas they're, they're going to have to throw down the gauntlet next time out because they're up
3: against Kilkenny. Yeah, and that, Michael, that's 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 kind of the second weekend of fixtures, and like Kenny will be disappointed at, the, at at some stages they look to be kind of well in control against Wexford, and and for the match to come on level at two sixteen each, right? Great result, great result for Wexford. Um, Limerick, as we expected last weekend, had an easy win over Antrim. Um, John Kiley saying he's going to uh, kind of reduce the panel in the next week or so, giving some guys an opportunity to stake a claim for that panel. Um, Waterford very impressive in terms of maybe a, after a slow start against League scoring three twenty, which is very, 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 very high scoring. So if mm-hmm. you bring all that, if you bring all that forward into next weekend, you've you've <laughs> that old rivalry as we've seen so many times. Waterford be Clare before in Buttrick <laughs> Park. With Mr. Lone and Mr. Pitts. So um, uh, that's one to watch out for. And then you have and Kilkenny on Saturday night. Uh, Wexford v. Offaly. Um, Westmead events v. Limerick. And Limerick would look at this one to say get our second win. Make themselves sa- safe in the league campaign. And then maybe plan a bit further for the uh, for the drive for five. Knowing that kind of their status in the league is secure and stuff like that as well. So with a couple of matches to go. And then you have Tipperary v. Galway. Which is going to be an incredible right. game one probably that maybe stands out Michael in terms of Dublin after their feat against Tipperary a very impressive win by Tipperary in Parnell Park is is they go to play Antrim and but if a banana skin all gone up there because lots of, lots of teams gone up there in the past would have felt that they'd get an easy win against Antrim this is a big call now for Dublin to get a result above uh, against Antrim Oh for sure there's no doubt about that yeah that,
1: that tip Galway match on Sunday uh, quarter to four in Sample Stadium that, that's yeah, that's,
3: that's yeah. Wonderful. Look, and again, um, look, Shefflin, I suppose would w- be looking at this and saying, okay, this is a big test for us. Let's go. Out. Let's see where we're at. And um, against a temporary team that I think Lemke Callis made no bones about the club. They want a good run in 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 the league. They want to take it seriously. Um, Jake Morris, the captain himself, you know, kind of, I'd say, taking a bit of pride. Seriously, being appointed captain, coming out and saying, "Yeah, we are going to take this league very, very seriously." And he, he, again, you're using it to blood new players, but uh, for Tip, kind of on the back of where they were last year, they need a good run, and uh, that's probably the tie of the, of the league campaign. Maybe uh, this Sunday is temporary, very big in in Tarla's So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: For sure of it. Uh, Martin, let's, let's just talk football again for a little while. Um, looking forward to, to what we've got coming up in the
2: next round of the league. What stands out to you? Well, the standard the next day, obviously, is uh, I think anyway, Mayo versus um, Kerry in Tralee. Mm. So, and like, tr- Mayo, uh, tr- I think Kerry will be keen to get Mayo at this stage of the year, even though it's early on. And they will be smarting still from the defeat that they had as Mayo fans in the championship class uh, in, in, in May, actually, in Clarney. I think Mayo ended up beating them by four or five points. On top of that, um, it, it, uh, Kerry will be looking to take their team on a couple of uh, notches higher than they were the last day against Monaghan. I thought they were very impressive against Monaghan. I thought with the two lads coming in, with the two, uh, with the Clipper brothers coming in, I thought they were particularly impressive. And, and the entire, you know, you saw, um, I think, tight Morley league being brought in at some stage of the game. But, and. Um, they will want to get Mayo. They will want to bring Mayo down to size next weekend and, and uh, or the weekend after next rather. And Kevin McStay will want to make, I think, a statement to, cut, to further, shall we say, the progress that has been evident in Mayo up to now and get two more points. And with that, he's safe in the Division One, and he can maybe forward from there to experiment a little bit more than has been the case up to now. Like, what I mean by that, Michael, up to now, really, the only new players that he has introduced, the brand new players, so to speak, that he's brought into the team has been a wing forward and um, a young lad from our, uh, uh, on a read, he's a lad from Boyd Davids. But all of the other lads like, OK, you may not have heard much of Paul tau before, or Brian Toohey before, but they have, were used at different stages last year. So the only I would say, if he can get a result, he'll bring up a, or bring down a strong team to Kerry. And if he can get a result there, he'd be keen to get that. Then he can go in and, f- and bring in a lot more players in the games f- further on, knowing that his status in Division One is secure. I suppose over the next couple of weeks, and we've already been doing
1: it, Martin, keeping an eye on Derry and Mickey Hart, and of course the the. The classic example of that was the last day out, of course, which was Derry and Tyrone. That was an eye-catcher.
2: Well, it was an eye-catcher. Uh, but you know something, Michael? It ended up much ado about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, we'd all been kind of, um, you know, anticipating a right kind of raucous atmosphere, an edgy game where there was a lot of kind of, shall we say... <laughs> less than friendly exchanges. We'll be very uh, um, you've been euphemistic about it. But what we saw after, we saw lovely photographs. There was familiarity and warmth, Mickey and Brian Dewar shaking hands. And there was none of the edge to it. Okay, you had a good crowd there, you had twelve thousand people, you're nearly capacity any crowd in Celtic Park. But and um, like a lot of the games on Sunday, Michael, and you this across the board in in Kerry or in Clonus, in Derry and in uh, Roscommon, the wind played a, it, made a mockery of it in some respects. By that, I mean, like at halftime in the game of the Derry and Tyrone game, um, I think Derry went in leading eight points to five. Now, I didn't think that was enough, Michael. Like, I thought with, in, with the wind in the second half, Tyrone would go to town. But they only scored four points, and two of those were in injury time, actually. And then that tells his own story. And with Connor Glass kind of mastering midfield, and you know, with the lack of intensity and bite and all of that in it, kind of Derry Cruz victory. And they will be looking, as I said, they will be looking to build. Like Mickey has made no secret about it. This is a six game, six wins, kind of cup added into that. And he will be looking to continue on a winning streak, you know, over the next couple of months. And he is, uh, I'm not saying he's won the hearts and minds of the Derry supporters yet. Certainly hasn't kind of ended up in in the gallows. (laughs) And, and, you know, he is, in every single game he's put out, he's put out a very, very strong team. And he will be very pleased with the response he has got. And when you think about it, Michael, the three the three uh, guys, the three guys, uh, uh, the Maharag lads that won the All-Ireland club with Glenn, all of those have played and there hasn't been a problem. And Conor Glass has ended up man of the match in in, in the last two. Yeah, that, that was an interesting one because we thought, as you said there, we thought
1: he would give these guys, you know, a bit of a break after their exploits.
2: Yeah, we we, we we thought that and we, we, we looked at the beaten team actually in that as well. We look at the at St. Bridget's who were beaten and they, mm-hmm. they brought in a, a number of their less last, last weekend. And so, players at the moment, you know, maybe I, to be honest with you, it maybe tiredness is a state of mind in football. And I'm not quite sure that it can be physical also like i saw for example with jack carney in in mayo having won the all-ireland junior a couple of years ago with K- kilmina found it very very difficult to kind of show any form last year but the three the, the, the
3: three and um, but, but martin martin just martin martin just on that one though like they're amateur players right no matter what you say they're not robots i mean um can they oh, keep that can, can, can they keep that going i don't their know. Their I, 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 I don't know i think are to a championship right you take you take the kerry the cliffords
2: yes that's right no no yeah i i agree with you thomas it's very very difficult and you factor in sigerson to that as well Sigerson so yeah, i'm just giving
3: yeah, side of it yeah i I, yeah. I,
2: I, I, can, I can only speak for the i can only speak for the mayo lads like the likes of um, uh, um the likes of rhino Donohu and rory brickington i think um the, the the fullback Mike Bryan and the Tommy Conroy, they have played four games in in twelve days actually, two with uh, uh, two with juicy uh, two of them are with UCD, two of them are with UCG, and then games against Galway and against Dublin the other night. And uh, honestly, I just think far too much is being asked of these lads. I know a number of counties I won't name them have pulled their intercounty players from the Sigerson. They've pulled their they, the managers have not allowed their players to play Sigerson. And,
3: and, 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 and is that, that right, or is is that is that wrong,
2: That's unethical, as far as I'm concerned. It's wrong. And I saw Colin, Colin talking about earlier, the, uh, you know, a couple of weeks back, about Sigerson has been played at a time of year when it's not, it's it's wrong. It's just simply wrong. It should be played but, maybe in, but, the, but, in the in the
3: month of December. Absolutely right. I, I'd have it. to say, I'd have the same point, right? You make this, you can make the same point in terms of the Fitzgibbon guys That's that right. are out Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, or a Thursday night midweek in January and in worse, when the worst the conditions playing Fitzgibbon. But it seems that managers feel that they're at the top of the game because they have training and they're putting them into an intercounty setup at the weekend, then as well. Do you know if yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Because these guys are training more regular than. Maybe an inter-county team. They're playing matches on a regular basis. They're at, at, at a level of fitness that they need for a national league campaign. But but is but is there anybody sitting down and say, okay, why not pre-Christmas let's get Fitzgibbon and Sigerson done and dusted? They're back at college in September yeah. and and progress into a national league campaign. Then with everybody on board, without having three and four matches, you say within twelve days.
2: Yeah, well, I I agree with you on that, and as I I'm, I'm repeating myself, very really, Colin O'Rourke who's managing who's managing these at the moment, has come up with that, has has come up against that issue, and has spoken about that. But then you have to look at why do guys go to college primarily to go to college to get a degree, and you'll find coming up to Christmas an awful lot of them have assignments to kind of get up and running and get into into and a
3: couple a couple of rag weeks and a couple of parties <laughs> and all that assignment sort of as well. No, I didn't go to college. Doctor Conn always said to me, Tomas, you need to get your leaving cert checked again, right? But um... <laughs> but you know well, Conn. To me, I always, I always oh, yeah, regarded... oh, yeah. So you don't you don't upset the Christmas party, Martin. All right. Yeah, I no,
2: I, well, I always regarded my time in Galway as my time in Disneyland. It was the most fantastic time to be in college. <laughs> 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 it was just wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, 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 I think academia suffered. we we'll put it. We'll put it <laughs> and I think you don't understand that, Michael Lester.
1: <laughs> well, I, I've always said the thing about Galway, Galway City, is it has a bit of everything. It's a university town. It's a a holiday uh hot spot, if you like, and 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 a a, a big town as well, of course. Apart from anything like uh, all the rest of it, you know, but um, that that was that was one of the lucky kind of uh, boxes ticks for anybody going to university to go to a place like that.
2: I oh, know, but it wasn't a big turn. Michael, it was such a familiar, <laughs> it, like everything was in reach within walking this, Michael, it was a lovely place, and still is a wonderful, wonderful place to go to. It is.
3: So, I mean, and I look, and, and I suppose, Michael, the clamor is, uh, the clamor is on uh, is on the other side, Martin. You're saying about it, the county managers pulling the guys for Sigerson or Fitz, Fitzgibbon. The clamor is coming, and I see a lot of kind of former college players here in Cork are kind of adamant, right, that for Fitzgibbon or Sigerson, they should be left play the college fixtures without having to go and play in National League campaigns or train with the county teams somebody yeah, must, manager, somebody, must, somebody must. somebody must get the fixture list right here because it's, it's it's it ain't working because everything seems to be happening and we mentioned about this compactness of the season in January February in terms of colleges Fitzgibbon Sigerson national League campaigns and in the county guys going back training earlier to get themselves ready thats right it's unsustainable from the player health point of view from the player welfare point of view it's unsustainable
2: like the, 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 the risk of injury now, if a player, you know, due to overplaying, basically will rule a player out of the intercounty season for the rest of the year. Like, I take a case like in, in point of Rory Brickington last year. Rory Brickington, again, would have played colleges football last year, as far as I know. He also was playing in, in National League football with Mayo. He was gone after the third game. They play, Mayo played 14 games, I think, between league and championship last year. He missed the final 11 games due to an injury sustained early on. And I think overuse injuries, playing too much, is certainly kind of a thing, both in Hurling and football contributing to injuries that rule players out of uh, big game championship games later on in the season. And Michael and, and Tomás, you're right. I think, myself, it has to be looked at and bring the college's football back pre-Christmas. And I think maybe it will benefit everybody. And don't forget about the hard as well, no, Martin, as well. Jeez.
1: I
3: don't
2: know.
1: But
3: would
2: it, would
1: it not make sense, would it not make sense, gentlemen, to have a tiered system? In other words, if you get on a county panel that it should automatically rule you
2: out of of things like colleges matches and stuff like that. You see the nature of the GA, Mike. The nature of the GA. Everybody claims ownership on their player. I see as my here, I've seen it myself this year in a micro in a micro sense involved with an intermediate team here in Castlebar. And I seen myself like the intermediate player. The good intermediate player is kind of, shall we say, a, with, within the a, 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 he's on the on the the radar of the senior team, and they want to get a they want to get this guy. And you're constantly constantly kind of playing um, tug of war. Can I have him? Can I keep him? Or will the senior team take him? And you're right in saying maybe we should be looking at something like that. But when you don't have that, like, As I said, you have teams in hurling and football. You know, the top of the food chain is the senior inter county plays, the senior inter county game. And managers there, not all of them, but certainly some of them this year that I know of, have told the players who were eligible for colleges, you are not playing colleges, you're only playing with us. And that kind of sense of ownership that they have and that they claim on a player, I think, is
3: something that maybe is wrong. But Martin, you 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 are you also have another issue in terms of the players, in terms of where they go out to a certain college and there's a scholarship and there's a bursary and there's grants, That's right? right? That's right. Yeah, so yeah. they're obliged to play with that college, right? They have to play and some colleges attract very good players, come down because look, you see the 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 kind of the the expansion of colleges around the country and stuff like that as well. Um, but some guys will come and there's a scholarship and there's a grant there. And so that they're, they're obliged they have to fulfill a program In, with the
2: college. Uh, very much so. They the feel that sense of obligation. And those of us who are lucky enough to play college football, I mean, it was the most enjoyable football that I can look back on. I never forget, for example, and this is throwing in a Cork kind of dimension to it, Moss. I never forget the first time I played a college's game against UCC, and there was this big giant playing fullback for Cork, a centre by the name of Moss K.
3: Yeah, and but you so see, Martin, 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 I think yeah. it was called UCK at that stage, that time, <laughs> University <laughs> College Kerry, because there was thirteen <laughs> of the fifteen were from Kerry. We were playing against for Kerry down there.
2: Well, there was Simon Looney, I think, played for Harlingen and, and uh, uh, Harlingham football for Park at the time. And I remember he was on the UCC team, if, if memory is certainly right. But no, you're right. It was primarily like the Lynch brothers were on it, Body and and Brendan were on it. Yeah, um, yeah. brilliant. I mean, brilliant yeah. Dan's Abner Dan was on it. But I remember it was this big bucket, falling Back that I could not get over. And when I went to the pub afterwards, I went to sing and when the singing started, well, I'll tell you, he was first tenor. He was bass. He was baritone. He was everything. He was a wonderful, wonderful character in my. Massey That's Martin is it?
3: Yeah, Massey Martin is it? Or all Ma- all I is referring to? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I met I met him on a good few occasions with Doctor Khan as well, and um, what a, what a legend that man was! Oh, what a big man was right, and a great man for the cracking, having the old cigarettes and stuff like that as well, guys, you know? so, tell I, I played,
1: I played, I played some and Martin. Uh, in a match against Mark all those years ago, <laughs> and you? I, I'll tell you what—he didn't have to hit you. He only had to look at you. And you decided to stand at
2: the other end of the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, no, Jack, it, it, it was guy. remarkable, and then, and, and then he was such a success—you uh, know, made such a successful career for himself in rugby. It was a rugby international, and I can't say publicly. I asked Benny Morgan once upon a time to give me a mass anecdote. <laughs> it, can't, it can't be repeated publicly here but it's, or in public, but it is very, very comical. But no, he was great. One And those bunch of lads that I came across from Cork and Kerry at the time, they were they were just wonderful. And to where this all came from, Michael, is just to me. Colleges football was a most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful breeding ground for just making friendships and actually improving your football. Certainly where I came from in Donegal, it was wonderful to get playing against teams that were from maybe recognised football in counties. Because remember, in Donegal, they never reached a a senior provincial final until 1963. Yes. You know, people see Donegal now, having won two All-Irelands in the last uh, 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 20 years or in in, in 1992 until now, the last 30 years, so to speak. But they never reached the provincial pile until 1963. And for somebody like myself from a county like that to come and play with and against players from established counties... It was just a an eye opener and hugely enjoyable. And I think every guy who played college at football will look back with great, great, great. And um, I just it, 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 great fondness of his time that he spent playing
1: playing football at that time. I know. I I hear what you're saying, and and when we talk about, I I mentioned a moment to go there about a tiered system and that. But then I suppose if you do something like that, as you said, you you take away the great experiences that a lot of lads have had uh,
2: playing. In other levels as well, so, you know, so yes. that's part of it. That, well, that the point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah. specify, but you have actually, as I said, made it for me and you're absolutely right and that's, that's one of the experiences that I see that, that will be taken from a player
3: if that team yeah. is was And I suppose, I suppose, Michael, if you asked every player what would they want to do, I think they'd want to play with their college. If they go to college, um, you know, you ah, follow so, on yeah, some yeah. your schools, uh, you go to college, you meet so many friends and so many Ducati guys and you come and you get an opportunity to play with a Nicholas English or um, a quality like that, you know, within your, within your structure. It's a great opportunity for college students, definitely. Of course it is, yeah. All
1: right, gentlemen, we are going to close the book for this particular episode of The Game on Sunday. No, we're
3: not going to we're not going to close it yet, Michael Lester, because I think you, you had a little bit of a celebration, a <laughs> celebrate the good times, yeah, over the last couple of days, and uh, you were pressing wrong buttons on the phone, I believe. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I no, I, I have yeah. I have a cake in front of me, and I have a couple of candles. No, right. and there there is zero on it, but I don't know. Whether I'm going to put a five first, six first. Or do I go even, or do I go even higher? Do you know what you'll now, <laughs> well, I, you will do now, Tomas? To you, you
2: will.
1: You will take those candles, and <laughs> what you do with them after that, I leave it to your
3: imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll just blow them out. I'll blow them out. I'll put. I'll, I'll yeah, I, do you know what? You, I'll a, you, I'll you do that. Seven. I'll take a chance. You, with a no, seven no, go. The zero.
1: Listen to me. You do that. You blow the. And I've got to blow you out of it right now, Andy. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thank you for your time, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you soon. Have a nice week. All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the yes. chat. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Tomas. Talk to everybody again the next time. Hope you can join us for the next episode of The Game on Sunday. For the moment, sloan.